This episode of World Changing Ideas is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. People don't think about laundry. And so it's an interesting thing to try to convince people to think about microfibers or laundry. We've talked about oceans and plastic pollution before, but today we're going to explore an unlikely connection between these two topics and something that often gets overlooked, laundry. It might seem like a strange link to climate change because, you know, who really cares about laundry? Hold on a second. This is my friend's machine. Hey, 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 our stuff wasn't in it. Hey, 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 that's not the rule and you know it. <laughs> okay, let's do laundry. Oh, listen, Dad. Do not be starting me about darks, Mary. I've given you whatever darks I have. Stick on a half load me down with a woman. A half load goes against everything I stand for. You know that, Dad. Yeah, FYI, the hot water is inadequate on machine two, so colors only. And four is still releasing the fabric softener too early in the cycle, so I'd avoid using that for your delicates. Thanks. Well, good Lord. Why don't you just take your clothes down to the river and beat them with a rock? <laughs> okay, well, apparently some people do. But for the rest of us, it's actually a pretty important area to explore when we're thinking of ways to stop global warming. So hit pause on that spin cycle, because we're about to learn why. I'm Talib Vizram, and this is World Changing Ideas, where we investigate how leading innovators are solving our most challenging issues. This season, we've been looking exclusively at climate change and what's being done to try and save the world. As we've learned on this show, fast fashion and the clothing industry in general can have a detrimental effect on the climate. The fashion industry accounts for about 8 to 10% of global carbon emissions and nearly 20% of wastewater. So who better to talk to than someone whose job it is to make clothing manufacturing more sustainable? The main reasons we've been engaged in the space for as long as we have is the very unique supply chain that we have in this industry. In other words, that we own a lot of it. About 70% of our total unit volume actually comes out of factories that we own back to the textile mills. You know, in essence, would say it's, it's been part of our DNA for many, many years. Chris Fox is the Chief Sustainability Officer at Haynes Brands. As part of the underwear giant's sustainability goals, Haynes Brands partnered with Tide on a campaign they dubbed the Wash Cold Movement. And it's about as straightforward as it sounds. Wash your clothes with cold water because... About 50% of the total greenhouse gases emitted over the course of a life of a t-shirt, for example, comes from the laundry room. And the vast majority of that is simply heating water to wash it hot. And so if we can convince the consumer, both here in the States and potentially around the world, to wash more of their laundry in cold water, the very simple ask, just wash cold, that will make more of an impact on the greenhouse gas emissions of the apparel that the consumers are wearing than about anything else that any of us can do along the value chain. So it really is that important. Some of you may also have seen the ads with Ice-T and Stone Cold Steve Austin, there's a throwback, where they advocate for washing with cold water. But if you haven't, here's a listen. 
Mr. T here. Mr. T. What y'all want? Will you turn to cold washing with Tide? With your jibber-jabber. Tide cleans better in cold than the bargain brand in hot. So Mr. T can wash his Hanes teas in cold. You can save up to 100 bucks on your energy bill. Mr. T will turn to cold. You know, technically, you're Mr. T. Technically, Steve. Lots of good wordplay going on there. So how great could the impact be if enough people switched to washing in cold water? If we all switched 100% of our loads over to cold, that, that would take about 50%, 5 50% of the greenhouse gases off of the table um, uh, for the, the life of the garments that, that we're all wearing. It would huge impact. And frankly, that is one of our challenges, is, is trying to figure out how we best measure that. But that's, uh, that's a nut we haven't quite cracked yet, but, but that we need to. So for anyone interested in, in trying this, um, you know, when we say cold, do we mean truly tap cold? You know, I, I think, you know, some washing machines have cold settings, but they're still 70 or 90 degrees Fahrenheit. That's right. You know, I think, and in fact, I'm just thinking about me doing my own laundry. I just hit the cold button on the washing machine. And, and I think generally you're right. I think that that's kind of tap cold as it's coming in through your typical municipal water system. In other words, there hasn't been any energy expended heating it beyond whatever that ambient temperature is. I guess a, a couple of concerns that, that people have about this is, well, it, does it really clean their clothes as, as well as hot water can? You know, getting out everyday stains. Yeah, no, and I think obviously a very fair question, and Tide's done a ton of work um, researching that very question. And and in particular, they've developed some detergents, um, literally, I think, called Tide Cold, that are are made in a way, ideally, to make cold wash even that much more effective. And, and what the Tide folks will tell you is use their Tide Cold Water Wash formulas, and it will get that garment as clean as the bargain brand and hot. You know, I think the science has taken it to the place now where um, there are cold water detergents, especially the ones made by Tide, that uh, that really do get the stuff as clean. Is cold water effective enough in getting out bacteria and germs? You know, obviously in the age of COVID, that's something that, that people are, are worried about. The reality there is even on a hot setting, a hot setting is only roughly 108, 110 degrees. And so even washing in hot to really kill bacteria, you've got to get up to 170, 180 degrees. And the washing machine on hot is getting there anyway. So the reality is the difference between hot as it's defined in in washing in a washing machine and cold, there's no appreciable difference in, in whether one will more effectively kill bacteria than another, if that makes sense. When we come back, we'll learn more about the science of why washing with cold water works, and then delve further into the question of whether or not we might be eating our own clothing, right after the break. This episode of World Changing Ideas is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. Cold water helps reduce our impact on the planet. But how exactly? What happens is that the hotter the water, the more loose the fibers become, okay? The longer the cycle, the looser the fibers become. The looser they become, the more they're released from the actual garment. Dr. Andrea Huvard is a professor of biology at California Lutheran University. She's been teaching there for 32 years and runs an undergraduate research lab that focuses on microfiber pollution in the ocean. 
They look at different marine sediments like bays and estuaries, and they also examine various levels of the food chain, ranging from squid to sand crabs. First of all, microfibers are ubiquitous in the environment. We have yet to sample anything that doesn't have microfibers in it. Yikes. So every filter feeder, every squid, every fish, everything, every sediment sample from every location has microfibers in it. That being said, we know they're there. Studies have shown that 533 million microfibers, or 135 grams, are released per household every year. And that's just in Canada and the U.S. alone. But Dr. Huvard says it's not a danger to people, as far as we know. Right now, you go to your oyster bar, you eat an oyster. Well, my students have found that every single oyster has an average of 11 microfibers, okay? So do you get sick from those oysters? Is it harming humans? I think what I meant was right now, each individual thing, like all these microfibers, we have very, very, you know, highly developed digestive systems, right? So we're not going to get an intestinal block from 11 microfibers. It's not like an albatross chick eating, you know, 17 uh, water bottle caps and three Bic lighters and a matchbox car, right? They're going to get an intestinal block and they're going to die. She says the biggest issue is that we know that microfibers are toxic sponges. The longer they spend in the ocean, the more toxicity they have attached to those fibers. And then those toxic substances become biomagnified throughout the various food chains. And it's, it's hard to understand how many microfibers, and if they're all floating around as little toxic sponges, and then we're eating oysters, and yeah, we may only eat 11 to 15 microfibers per oyster. Well, in 20 years, maybe that's going to be 150 microfibers per oyster. See where I'm going with this? The problem is, we know that these things are there, but the studies haven't really shown how, say, eating an oyster with microplastics is directly affecting you. She suggests thinking of it like the cradle-to-grave concept. That's the expression commonly used to describe a product's life cycle. Think about the amount of synthetic clothing that was produced in, you know, 1980. So, you know, move forward to 2022, and, you know, it's it's something like a thousand percent, you know, an order of magnitude. So what's that going to be like in 2050 or 2100? I mean, it doesn't seem that synthetic clothing production is slowing down, right? So that's where the effects of humans, you know, where we really have to look at, is the ocean just going to become like this toxic soup of microplastics and macroplastics, chemical mm. pollution. And so when I say right now it's not affecting us, I basically mean, yeah, we can eat seafood. Microfibers right now are not directly affecting us, but the problem is augmented, you know, with every cycle of production that we have. But if people aren't getting sick and seeing the immediate impact of these ever-present microfibers, Will they stop and think about it every time they load the washer? Probably not. This brings us back to the wash cold movement. 
People usually don't think twice before loading up the washing machine. But like Stone Cold Steve Austin reminded us in that cold call, washing with cold water really helps your energy bill too. There are some real advantages from a carbon emissions perspective, and there are some real opportunities for the consumer to save money uh, at a time when everybody's trying to find uh, ways to save a little bit of money. Uh, so that, that's just another added benefit. To revisit my question earlier, who cares about laundry? Well, we all should, but younger generations especially should. You know, you can get in the classroom and preach to these kids all you want, you know, and you can like have all, you know, tell all the depressing stories and all of us scientists and environmentalists, we all have depressing stories, but trying to make an impression on them is really, really hard because I can tell this kid over and over and over again that this is an issue. And hey, why do you really need to wash your clothes every time you wear them? Let's wash them every five times. Let's wash them every 10 times. Do we really need 10 fleece jackets in 10 different colors? Or can we maybe just have two, you know, do we need 27 pairs of shoes? So you can say that all you want, but what happens is that when they see it under the microscope and when they process a hundred oysters and every single oyster has microfibers, it makes an impression. I mean, it really does. It makes a very, very strong impression on them. I think that that's why I do it because that one kid tells 10 kids in their life, and then those 10 kids tell three people, eventually, <laughs> you know, maybe they'll stop, you know, buying 10 fleece jackets and only get two. Because it's, it's really gonna be their problem. I mean, I'll be decomposing, I think, by the time things really get bad. <laughs> but, you know, they're gonna have to figure out how to solve these problems but they can't start to solve them until they have some appreciation for really what that is. And I find that firsthand experience is working for them. So instead of donning a pair of lab goggles and gazing through a microscope, it seems like adjusting the temperature on our washing machines might be an easier first step. The second step is setting it on a shorter cycle. And the third step is picking up a specialized product designed to help reduce the number of synthetic microfibers that are ending up in our oceans. For more info on how to wash your clothes sustainably, check out our show notes. That's all for our show today. Sadly, this was our last regular episode of our climate change season. We hope this season has given a little more hope about the things that we are doing and can do to save our planet. But we'll have one final guest on next week who will be able to tell us what we can do in our daily lives to make us feel a little less hopeless. Well Changing Ideas is produced by Avery Miles, mixing and sound design by Nicholas Torres. Audio supervision by Joshua Christensen. Editorial oversight from Deputy Editor Kate Davis and Senior VP of Entertainment Scott Meebus. <laughs>